0: some fun on a Wednesday, on a hump day, baby, we are already halfway through the week and it's going to be a fun night tonight. Why we're going to talk about the low T GOP missing the boat once again, we're going to talk a ton more about why you should care about the world economic form and their mentality on things. Communists being forced to live with communism. Trump is out there talking about disloyalty. We'll discuss that. The Trump versus the Santos thing's always fun. Why are pilots getting bad EKGs? The DOJ handing handling Joe Biden with kid gloves. Violence at a uh, well, violence among the youth, and so much more coming up tonight on the world famous Jesse Kelly Show. Let's begin here. We talk a lot about the mentality on the right. The loser GOP, the low-T GOP. How we are constantly losing to the communists. And we're losing because we don't seem to understand and or accept who and what we're dealing with. The example I use all the time, but it works so well, is... Okay, we share a country with a bunch of communists. Okay, that's not, we share a home. We live in a home together. If you and I, we lived in a home together, and I had a different opinion about the home, the direction we should go with the home, it is critical for you, if I have a different opinion about the home, to assess why. What are my motivations because that's really everything, right? If you and me, we live together and you want, uh, you want to go spend $5,000 on new drapes or whatever new drapes cost. You want to go spend $5,000 on new drapes. And I say, no, that's ridiculous. No, I think we need uh, a new oven instead. I want a fancy new oven that cooks food better. Well, okay. You would look at me in that situation. Maybe you would disagree. Maybe you would disagree strongly. No, you're an idiot. Drapes are what we need, but you know what you wouldn't do? You wouldn't say, man, Jesse's evil, and he hates this house. That's why he wants a new stove. He hates it here. He wants to he wants to destroy the house. You wouldn't say that, and you'd be correct. Hey, we just have disagreements on how to improve the home, but if you come to me and you say, Jesse, hey, <clears throat> we need new drapes. It's $5,000. It's a lot of money. But we got to have some new drapes. If we get some new drapes, it will increase the value of the home. And I respond to you instead of saying yes or instead of saying, no, 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 we need a new oven. What if I respond to you and say, new drapes? No, that's crazy. I just bought a couple gallons of gasoline. What we need to do is I need to pour this gasoline all over the floor in the living room and the kitchen and the kids' room I need to pour all this whole thing of gasoline out, and then I need to take some matches, and I need to light them on fire and throw it on the floor everywhere where I lit the gasoline. Now, you're obviously sitting there saying, okay, this guy's a psycho. He wants to burn the house down, and you're correct. You'd be correct. But you know what the GOP has done forever, forever, and I cannot stand it. They look at the guy with the can of gas and the handful of matches, and they say, you know what? Gosh, it's so weird. We just have a difference of opinion on how to improve the home. We obviously both want to improve the home. (laughs) We're living here. I know you want to improve it, and I want to improve it, obviously. But we just have, look, let's mean in the middle, all right? Why don't we just, I'll change a couple drapes, and you burn down just half of it. Because I know you just want to, I know you love the home. I love the home. We love the home. They don't love the home, bud. They're not trying to improve it. They're trying to burn it to the ground. They believe the home is an evil place. In fact, they believe the home is the height of all evil. They believe the home has to be reduced to rubble. And they believe that they're good and right in thinking this. I saw this today from somebody I can I, I don't I don't I don't like him. I don't dislike him. I know he's very funny. Senator John Kennedy is his name, Louisiana Senator. Again, a very, very funny guy, and I'm I'm really not trying to blast him, but I saw this, and boy, this is the mentality we simply can't afford anymore. This is what he said today. China pumps more CO2 into the atmosphere than the U.S., Japan, and the European Union combined. And then he says, so why is the Biden administration more concerned with kneecapping the U.S. economy with radical green mandates than holding Beijing accountable? Man, we do this a lot, but if I could frame something as, boy, this is the reason. If someone asked me, hey, Jesse, show me one statement. Why has the right lost to the communists on every single issue? I would frame this and hang this. This goes into why the right has lost. This goes into the Hall of Fame. This should, maybe this should be in the entryway of the why the right has lost Hall of Fame. First, let's address the big thing. China pumps more CO2. CO2 is simply the air you breathe out. CO2 is what plants breathe in to create oxygen. That tree in your backyard, it, it's breathing in CO2. And then because of God's miraculous world he gave us, it then churns that back out into fresh oxygen for you and me to breathe. CO2 is a wonderful necessary part of the earth i promise you the air you're breathing out right now is not some poison that's changing the climate it's a an important part of the planet we have and yet the gop will and has constantly given that ground to the communists well okay look we all can agree that co2 is bad why do we have to all agree on that well all the scientists say that's a bald-faced lie there are scientists across the planet, thousands and thousands and thousands of them, that say CO2 is not harmful. Man-made climate change is a total hoax. It's not real at all. Climate isn't changing at all. Now, you don't get to, in, you don't get to see or meet those scientists on the news. You certainly don't meet them in any one of America's government education schools, America's corporates. America's corporations, I guess I should say, don't push that stuff at all. They lie to you at all times. But CO2 is not at all harmful to the planet. And if you're in the low-T GOP, the second, the nanosecond you give that ground to the communists and you acknowledge, well, I mean, CO2 is harmful, you've already lost the war. The war is over. One sentence into this public statement by a Republican senator, he already lost the war. Well, China puts more CO2 than we do. Who cares? CO2's not bad. I don't care. You shouldn't care. We play the, the communist game on the communist field with the communist referees enforcing the communist rules. And we look around every 15 minutes and say, I can't believe we're losing. I hate this. And so now I'm going to address the second part of the low T GOP. Hang on a second. Miss something? There's a podcast. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is The Jesse Kelly Show. On a Wednesday, I have been called out by Chris. And Michael and the fans are not getting to enough emails. They're saying I just bloviate now on Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. So on a Wednesday, I'm getting to 20 emails tonight. How many have I gotten to so far? One. Okay, but I'm gonna add 19 to that, like it's nothing, Chris, like it's nothing. Any second now, I'm going off on the low T G O P. When I'm done with that, it's email time. I may not even get to any issues. I may not. I know. But but before before we do that, in case you're just now joining us. I was going off about this statement from Senator John Kennedy, a senator I have no problem with, a Republican senator, and why it's all that's wrong with the GOP. First, he talks about China pumping more CO2 than we do, as if that matters. But then I want to get to this part, and this is the part I cannot stand from the right. Maybe you've made this mistake in the past. I bet you I have. Okay? I'm not pointing fingers. But all of our political leaders seem to do this. Virtually all of the pundits on the right do this too. This is what John Kennedy said. So why is the Biden administration more concerned with kneecapping the U.S. economy with radical green mandates than holding Beijing accountable? Okay. All right. Apparently, we're going to have to. let's, Let's go to school here. All right. One. The American Democrat now in 2023 is not the American Democrat in 1980. 1990, not, 19, not 2000, not 1950, there have been a million reasons to be an American Democrat in the history of this country. More thought of as the working man's party and all kinds of things like that. You may agree, disagree, but there have been legitimate reasons to be a Democrat in America's history. Ameri- the American Democratic Party now, they're all communists. They are. Definitely the leaders are. And I know there are a bunch of useless idiots who still vote Democrat who aren't. But frankly, they don't matter. They're too stupid to be important. All right. They're all communists now. The American Democratic Party isn't worried about keeping Beijing in check for a couple different reasons. One, they're not worried about CO2. None of these people, zero of them, think the climate is actually changing. None of them think... That CO2 is poisoning the planet. And none of them are concerned about any of it. You know that because of how they personally conduct themselves. Beachside mansions when they say the ocean is rising. Private jets everywhere. One, they're not worried about CO2. Two, they're not worried about destroying China because they don't think China is the enemy. The American Democratic Party now is a holy. Anti-American party. They are an insurgency on this country, a hundred percent aimed to burn the country to ash. And as long as we consider, as long as we continue to treat them as well, they just see things a little differently. Well, we all kind of want the same things as long as we have that five-year-old naivete attitude. We will never defeat these people. These people think they're in a crisis against Nazis who want to kill black people and gays. And they think they're fighting against Adolf Hitler. And they conduct themselves as if they're fighting against Adolf Hitler. Our people, well, we just don't see eye to eye. I just, look, why aren't they holding Beijing accountable? What hypocrites, guys. Look at what hypocrites they are. They're not worried about China. They have found the enemy. They have found the one responsible for all of the world's problems. And his last name isn't Ping or Jing or Qing. The one they think is responsible for all of the problems, not only in our country, but in the planet itself, is the American right. You and your freedoms, you're the enemy. They're not holding Beijing accountable because they're not worried about China. They're worried about you. You and your freedom to speak. The problem that we have is the open press system and basically all the platforms so if you're able to have five platforms social platforms it the problem is our open press system all these oh my gosh all these social that's a democrat senator by the way the moderate joe manchin at the world economic forum that's him speaking you see the real problem it's not it's not china gosh it's, it's not vladimir putin it's not uh immigration taxes debt, any of these things the problem is Gosh, it's you. What do you, you, think, you think, peasant, that you can say whatever you want? Listen to Klaus listen to Schwab. I, I applaud his honesty. Listen to him. Listen to what he thinks the problem is. We
1: have the ability to collaboratively build a more peaceful, resilient, inclusive, and sustainable world.
0: Okay, pause there. We have the ability to create a better world is essentially what he said. More resilient and, and, and inclusive. Okay, we have the ability to, so that's the... We have the ability to, but now comes the but. Klaus, who's holding you back? Is it China?
1: But to do so, we need to overcome the most critical fragmentation.
0: To do so, to overcome, to overcome... If we're going to overcome, if we're going to create this world... If we are going to build this better planet, if we elites are going to build this better planet, we have to overcome something. Now, what is he about to say? Is he going to say, we need to overcome China? Russia? Debt? I think you'll find what Klaus Schwab thinks he needs to overcome. I think you'll find it very interesting. Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on a Wednesday. Remember, you can email the show jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I have made a commitment after being called out to getting to 20 of those tonight. I'm at one so far, but any second now, I'm about to dig back in. I'm not quite done yet on this whole thing. Again, we we have this loser mentality where we pretend we're sharing a home with somebody who just has a difference of opinion on the color of the drapes when we share a home actually with somebody who wants to burn the home to ash. And this mentality is what's killing us. And I brought up Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum and how he talks, you'll, you'll hear in the beginning, I'll start it from the beginning here, how he talks about we have, we, we have this opportunity, we can lead, but we have to overcome something. What do they have to overcome? Listen. We
1: have the ability to collaboratively build a more peaceful, resilient, inclusive, and sustainable world. But to do so, we need to overcome the most critical fragmentation.
0: And who is that critical fragmentation?
1: And the most critical fragmentation is between those who take a constructive attitude and those who are. Just bystanders, observers, and even go into the negative, critical, and confrontational
0: attitude. The, you see, they didn't say they had to overcome China, did they? They didn't say they had to overcome Putin. They're not sitting around hand-wringing over CO2. They're sitting around hand-wringing over you. And man, that rhymed. Gosh, that was so awesome, Chris. Chris, can you record that? Please, that inadvertently rhymed. And I can't help it that poetry just comes out of my mouth. What, Chris? (laughs) No, seriously. They're not stressing about CO2. What do they have to overcome? They have to overcome you, bystander. They're over there trying to be constructive. You? You're just a critic. You don't... You're not going to let them take your gas stove? You're not going to let them take away your SUV? You're not going to let them take away your meat? What is it with you and your meat? Here's the chairman of Siemens. No, it's not Kamala Harris. My daughter,
1: 24, inspired me and said that how can you advocate for these zero carbon value chains if you still eat meat? And so I stopped eating meat. Now the math would say, well, you need to stop eating meat uh, 11 years to compensate for a flight to Thailand. Yes, but if a billion people stop eating meat, I tell you it has a big impact. And I predict that we will have proteins not coming from...
0: Um... What is it with you and your meat? Why do you need meat? What? You're, the pro- you're the problem. The, the earth is burning. The, the ocean... Is boiling, and you're still eating meat. And the accumulated amount is now trapping as much extra heat as would be released by six hundred thousand Hiroshima-class atomic bombs exploding every single day <laughs> on the Earth. That's what's boiling the oceans, creating these atmospheric. The ocean is boiling, and you—you're the one they have to overcome. You and your free speech and your meat. GOP, wake up! Stop being low tea! Stop being useless! start acknowledging that the Biden administration and virtually the entire administrative state, our education system, entertainment system, gosh, pretty much all of it, they're all in one gigantic group that hate the United States of America and kind of think the place needs to be taken down a peg or 10. Wake up and grow up. And while I'm on this whole subject, please understand that this is not some the radio fodder thing. Oh, the, you took it too far with the gas stoves, New York. I already told you they're banning yours. Kathy Hochul already said it and don't think you're alone. California. Same thing. 2035 city of San Diego. Did you know this? Did you know city of San Diego already banned them by 20 of by 2035 not just new ones they plan on banning the ones already in existence it's not just internet fodder these people are dead serious about what they want and what they believe and they're putting it into action do you have do you have your emergency 3 month food kit yet you might want to do that sooner rather than later because if these people have their way, well, I mean, remember, I, I, how much audio have I played for you on the show about the billions they think should die? What's that one lady's name we played, Chris? Jane Goodall was her name. Well, if the Earth's population was where it was 500 years ago, yeah, that's about 6 billion dead people. 6 billion. That's what they want. Bill Gates, well, the CO2 level levels need to get to zero. Well, since you're a human being who breathes out CO2, what do you think that means for you? Get your emergency three-month food kit, all right? Go to preparewithjessiekelly.com Every person who lives in your home, secure three months' worth of food for when these people finally get their way, all right? All right. Only one email in, but we're on a mission for 20 tonight. Chris, tonight is 23 for 20. I know that doesn't actually make a ton of sense. I wish I'd said that different, but I didn't plan it ahead of time because it's the year 2023, Chris, but I guess... That doesn't make sense because we're not doing it the whole year. It's only January 18th. Chris, it's 18 for 20. That's, that's still not working. You know what? Let's just move on to some emails. It's fine. Greetings, Burgermeister. I support the knockdown drag out fight between any primary candidates that enter into a primary for our vote. My question for you is how about talk show hosts? We always hear about talk show hosts that don't necessarily cons- uh, support a conservative vision, but no one will actually name names. Why is this a thing and why, why uh, won't those knockdown drag out fights happen between talk show hosts? Shouldn't pretenders be called out? May the best host win. I love the show. Listen, thank you. Well, I can't speak for other people. Here's I'll, I'll only speak for me. Remember, I've been a fan of radio a lot longer than I've ever done it. I've only done this for four years. I, I lived a normal life before I did this stuff. About five now, Chris. Oh, about four and a half. That's right. That's That's cool. Anyway, I'm new to this. So I will only speak for me. A lot of what I do, I do because of what I liked and what I didn't like when I listened. You know what I didn't like when I listened? Just being honest. I didn't like callers. So I don't take a lot of callers. They can be outstanding. When we do a theme, tell me about something dumb you did or dumb you said or horrible thing that happened to you or or something like that. Those are hysterical. But... Beyond that, I never enjoyed callers. I just didn't enjoy them that much. I thought they dragged the show down. I didn't tune in to listen to the callers. I tuned in to listen to the host. If I wanted to listen to normal people, I'd go hang out with friends instead of listening to the radio. Okay, I wanted to hear what the host had to say. That was one. So as a, as a result, I go a week at a time, two weeks at a time without taking that. Two, I never enjoyed guests. I, no, that's, that's not, actually, that's not true. I rarely enjoyed guests. I rarely thought the guest was adding something that the host couldn't have added even better. When I have a guest on, they're adding something I can't give you. They're adding a perspective I can't give you. And even if they have a perspective I can't give you and they're boring, I never have them back. Period. True. I, I, am, I am in the make your stuck in traffic time better business. That's my business. I do not have an important job. I do radio for a living. I'm not saving the country. I'm not doing anyone any good at all. My job is to make your day a little bit better. If I bring in Joe Schmoe, he's an expert on taxes, and I ask him a question on taxes, well, if you get to the top marginal rates that are at 35 and then divide by 12, in the oh, my gosh, kill me now. I'm not doing it. I won't have him back. And three, another thing I never liked about talk radio when I listened is this. Oh, by the way, yeah, Chris. Chris said they've offered to come on. We get We drown in offers to come on every day. We just ignore almost all of them. Just, I don't mean to be rude. I don't. Have, Chris doesn't have time to say no to all these people. Just freaking ignore him. I had to tell him that and Chris is so polite and nice. You would. Oh, I'm sorry. Not at this time. I told him just start ignoring these freaking people. They'll get the idea. And lastly, the hosts. One thing I always hated. I don't I don't understand why people like it. It's just not for me. One host yelling about another host. Okay, you're radio hosts, all right? You're not that important. Oh, this guy's stupid. This This guy copied me all the time. I hate that he copies me. Oh, this guy has a time slot I want. I'm jealous. This guy has a contract. I find that to be petty and small and extremely unentertaining. If my show makes your day better, listen to my show. If my show doesn't, turn it off and go listen to somebody else. You have options. All this stuff is free and should be. Go listen to who you enjoy. Go listen to who makes your day better. If you shut off a show and every night you shut it off, your blood pressure is about 50 points higher, go do something else. I don't do radio like that. And I don't find... These little petty fights between this rich radio guy and this rich TV TV guy. I don't find them to be entertaining in the least. That's why I don't do it. All right. Tons more emails and a rough childhood. Hang on. Feeling a little stocky? Follow, like, and subscribe on social at DC. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on a Wednesday, a hump day. All right, I went off on that stuff. I'm going to get to some emails and stuff And the Trump. Trump's uh, citing disloyalty out there doing public events. We'll talk about some Trump talk, some heavy D versus Trump talk. That's always spicy and fun. Gets about half the people mad. I enjoy that. That's fun. That's a good time. It's a good time. Remember, remember this, just a little spoiler alert. Jesse, who do you support? Nobody right now. Nobody. Jesse doesn't wave anybody's pom-poms ever, ever. I want them all to get in. Trump, DeSantis, Noem, I Get them all in the primary, and all of you go earn my vote. I am scared to death about what's happening in my country right now, about the weaponization of this government against its own citizens, and I want to hear you all get up on stage and tell me exactly what you're going to do for me to stop them. You go earn my vote. I don't put on your bumper sticker. I don't wear your pom-poms. You go earn my vote because right now none of you have. Not Trump, not DeSantis, not nome None of you have earned my vote yet. We will see. Treat politicians like rental cars. Remember that. All of them. Treat them all like rental cars. Use them to get you wherever you want to go and then drop them and never think about them again. All right. Drop them off still smoking and go get on a plane and fly home. All right. Now, this is a totally random thing, but I'm just going to bring this up because sometimes I see this stuff as a father and it bothers me. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe this is dumb, but I saw this headline out of the New York Post. Teen boy stabbed during a New York City street fight. He was 16 years old. He got knifed in the torso. And I'm supposed to go off right now about crime and crime in the cities and all these other things. This is all stuff you know. But when I see stuff like this, it makes me think about my own sons. I think about it. They're 12 and 14, and they certainly don't live some sheltered bubble existence. They bounce around a lot, talk to a ton of people. They do all kinds of things. They're into sports and activities, and, and they're, not, they're not hidden. But it occurs to me that boys my son's age, not just in New York City but around the world, they live a life of hell at such an early age. I remember a, a story. It was actually in the Bronx. It was, I think, he was a, a nine-year-old boy, but he would go to school every day. Like when my sons go to school, I usually take them to school. It's just kind of my thing. We cruise to school in the morning, talk. Sometimes it's quiet, but I take my boys to school, drive them, drop them off the front door. They go into school. Nice, nice. It's always a pleasant teacher out there. Kids hanging out. There are kids in the Bronx, they have to worry, this nine-year-old boy worried about getting shot every single day on the way to school. Uh, So many people in his neighborhood routinely get shot that a nine-year-old boy, instead of worrying about uh, video games or or the new superhero movie or a a bag of Doritos or the, the, the normal things little boys are worried about, instead of worrying about any of that, Every day he got dressed for school and threw on his backpack and walked a few blocks to school and all he wanted was to not get shot on the way. And I actually don't have anything I want to say about that except, man, what a freaking sad existence so many people live on this planet. And it bums me out sometimes. I'm moving off on that because I don't, I don't want to take too long on it. But now we'll get to Trump and his... His comments about disloyalty today, and then we'll get to, to to his event today with Lindsey Graham. We'll talk some Ron DeSantis. I do want to get to this, though, real quickly, just to make you aware. Dear Oracle, as I'm sure you know, the ATF has put forth more tyranny with their pistol brace ruling being put into place. It's because of this I call upon your powers of foresight to reveal what you think the next step will be in order to further stomp on the Second Amendment. I won't be following it nonetheless, as I do not bow to tyrants, but I'm curious what you think. And his name is Will. Well, I need to make sure I remind you of a couple things. One, I am not allowed by law to ever encourage you to break the law in any way. They will just simply shut off the radio and you'll never hear from me again. I'm not allowed by law to use these airwaves to do this. That's one. Two. I wouldn't ever do that anyway, because as unimportant as my job is, I do understand there is a certain level of responsibility that comes with this level of influence. So I don't get to safely sit here behind the microphone and ever encourage you to do things that will put you in prison. So you're never going to get that from me ever. Whatever personal choices you choose to make in your life, that is fine. Totally fine. I will say this totally separate from that though, going forward, going forward as we are no longer the culture, this is not your culture anymore. This is not my culture. We are now the U S of gay. We've been taken over by the communists. We've been taken over by people entirely hostile to us. You are now the counterculture. Now counterculture is going to be a ton of fun. We're going to have a blast with it. We are, we're going to smile. We're going to have fun, fun to be counterculture, but there are negatives Part of that negative is, especially for people who are generally good on the right, part of that negative is you are a rule follower. You're probably naturally a rule follower because the culture has always been yours. You're very nice. The right is more Christian-based, a rule follower. Going forward, you are going to have to become comfortable being uncomfortable. You're going to have to, as a counterculture person, become comfortable breaking some rules. That's just the bottom line. If you're not, since they own the entire legal system now, they own the administrative state, they own the legal system, since they own so much of that, if you're not comfortable breaking any rules, they're simply going to box you in with these rules and neuter you completely. So there, I'm going to leave you with that. Now, speaking of rules, speaking of being boxed in, Speaking of who and what we face and how they feel like what they're doing is right, we do have to understand something because there's a huge push on the right to ban things, ban this, ban that, ban things, ban, and I'm on board with that. I'm all down for banning things. I'm all down for banning people. But we do have to understand there's going to be a response. What is it? I'll explain in a second. The Jesse Kelly Show, final hour of the Jesse Kelly Show on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. You're the CEO of J.P. Morgan at the whole W.E.F. thing. We need oil and gas. For We're how long? Cheap. Well, 50 for 50 years. For 50 years. And, you know, it's 100
1: million barrels a day that are used by the world to heat, fuel, true, feed people. True
0: climate zealots want to end but, it now. But, but the they want to end it now, Jamie. To get it, they, to get it you right. can't
1: get the two yeah, to, to get, to get right. come together. Then, then you'll have a, a, a calamity. A global
0: okay, I, I feel comfortable saying this because I don't know what network this is on. I actually don't think that was WEF. I don't know the network. I don't know who was asking the question. So in case it's a really good person, I feel better about saying this. Not that I'm the world's expert on it, but why do people interrupt somebody when they're asking? They ask someone a question, and then instead of letting them speak, they're so anxious to talk themselves they talk over the person and interrupts. I wanted to hear what the CEO of JP Morgan had to say. I, I, this isn't even the reason I played this. And I just got so annoyed by the person who's asking. Let the man finish his answer. We need oil and gas. For We're how long? Cheap, what, 50 for, years. for 50 years. And you know, it's 100 million barrels a day that are used by the world to heat, fuel, true, feed people. True climate zealots want to end but it shut now. Shut up! They want to end it now, Jamie? They, it. Shut up! My God. this is why, this is another reason. I don't have many guests on. It's because I used to listen to talk radio all the time, and I'd be aggravated by the guests. But part of the reason is the host never lets them talk. Be quiet or else don't have them on. Jesse, this is how I spent my Saturday off. The subject says, will it ever get better? My daughter needs her inhaler. Nope, back order. She has disability and takes Adderall. Nope, pharmacy doesn't have it. Poor guy in line looking for children's Tylenol? Nope. My child needs to see a specialist. Earliest appointment is in April. This is why emergency rooms are full. I'm a nurse for 26 years. I've never seen a medical system like this. In my opinion, is it ready to collapse? Thoughts? She says, I hope hope you have good news is what she says. Okay, I don't have any good news. And all right, let me just give it to you right between the eyes. The medical community is one that has been ripe for government takeover for the longest time. For the longest time. And this is why. This is why. When it comes to medical care, uh, surgeries, caring for somebody, medicines, access to doctors and surgeons and things like that. That is one of the easiest things. That's one of the easiest messaging things for the communists and one of the most difficult things for the right. Because think about what the communist is saying to you constantly. Uh, maybe you're in this person. Maybe you're in this situation. Maybe you have a special needs child or maybe you have a medical condition or your wife does or your husband does or your child does. and Maybe you need to see reg- have regular appointments for this or regular medication for that. And what is the communists' messaging? They're lying, of course, but what is their messaging all the time? Well, you should have that, and that should be free. That should be free. Well, people who don't have, because I know a bunch of people like this, people who don't have chronic medical conditions or, like I said, special needs kids who need who need therapy or or uh, an aging parent who needs medical care constantly, people who don't have that in their lives, what they don't understand is the cost the fiscal cost for that on top of everything else the emotional cost and cost and the time cost, the fiscal cost that is it is so expensive it sucks your savings dry of everything. You if you're in that situation you know you're the young couple, you got a couple kids. Uh, one of your kids is in need of a constant medication. You're watching other young couples with jobs similar to yours. They went to Barbados for over the summertime. You, you didn't go to Barbados. You don't have the money and you're sick of it. And that gets real old, real fast, having to spend all the money. And then you turn and here's the political messaging. You've been given forever, your whole life. The communist is telling you that's ridiculous. That should be free. And the right is telling you, well, no, shouldn't be free. Nothing's free. Keep the government out of it. Free markets. Now, the right is 100% correct in that. 100% correct. Because the costs would be lower and you'd actually have better access if the right got their way. But that messaging is so difficult to get across to the normal person. As a result of this, we've had nothing but more government involvement and more government involvement and more government involvement in the medical community. And then a lot of what you see now is actually a result of the Obama of Obamacare Basically taking over the insurance community, so now insurance runs medicine. What does your doctor diagnose you as? What does he prescribe? What are they Well, what they can bill for—that's what they're doing. It's what they can bill for. Lots of the time, he's not in there to—he's not in there to try to cure you. Or even if he is, maybe he has to try to make ends meet while he's trying to cure you. I mean, what I really should do is tell this person. Uh, the diet and exercise is what they need, but gosh, if I prescribe this Pfizer product, we get an extra so much, and man, we need that to keep the doors open. You're, you're pushing the medical community into an impossible corner. Now, it actually gets worse because it gets worse from here. This is one of the, it's one of the great accomplishments of the communists ever was the passage of Obamacare. You remember, this is still on audio. I'm sure Chris probably find it for me if I asked him to. Barney Frank was his name. He was a despicable congressman from Massachusetts, really one of the more detestable human beings. And he was asked one time, I believe he was walking through the halls of Congress about Obamacare. This is when everyone was arguing about it because the American people didn't want it, but the communists wanted it. And he said, it can lead to single payer or it will lead, I think it will lead to single payer because that's what the communists really want. They want the government to take over the whole industry. There was too much backlash for that. They couldn't get it passed. So Obamacare was what they got passed. But they they got caught on camera more than once saying, hey, Obamacare? Obamacare will get us to single payer. It's just going to take a little while. So that was the way of me telling you when it comes to medical care, I don't have great things. I don't have anything good to tell you. It looks like it's good. it gets worse from here. Now there may be a you have it, Chris. You found oh Chris found it. Play it.
1: If we get a good public option, it could reach a single payer, and that's the best way to reach single payer. Single nothing until you get single payer. The sure way never to get it. But but single
0: payer. Thank you, Barney Frank, for basically laying out exactly what I just said. Well, we couldn't do single payer. We'd never get there. So we'll just uh, we'll do the the option that was Obamacare. That has led to the destruction of a lot of the medical community. Now, the silver lining in this, and it may not be a silver lining for you at all. It may suck. The silver lining in this is this. As the medical care in America goes down and down and down and down, what's going to happen? In fact, it's already happening. It's just you don't have access to it and I don't have access to it. There's going to to be a luxury concierge medicine service in America where it's allowed and outside of America. This will exist probably outside of insurance, so we're talking out of pocket. Lots of it will take place outside of America. You'll find these little havens in the Caribbean or Mexico or Central America or South America where you can go and simply pay and get elite medical care. These doctors will figure out they can make more money, better clientele, Pack it up. Move the old lady down to a beach house in Guatemala or wherever. I don't even know if Guatemala's on the beach. I'm not a doctor. And and, and practice medicine down there. The problem for you right now and me right now is that's for the Uber elite people. That's for the, oh, sorry, you need uh, surgery? You need knee surgery? Don't go to that American hospital. Just bring $20,000 down here and we'll do it. Cash. Okay, well, I don't have 20 grand laying around and neither do you. (laughs) But... The good news is in the future that will get better as more and more people flee America's deteriorating medical community, more luxury concierge medicine options will pop up other places and they'll, they'll start to become more affordable right now. Cause this always happens right now. It's for the Uber rich, but eventually the market will figure out there'll be a bunch of doctors that figure out, okay, well we don't have to, we don't have to focus on billionaires. Let's. Move down to some millionaires and then doctors will figure out, hey, we don't have to focus on millionaires, just middle class America. There's plenty of money there. Let's do a clinic for them. And that you see how we see how it goes. It'll slowly become cheaper as it catches on. But that's the only silver lining I have for you. Yeah, shortages, wait times. these, These things are a result of what we've done. And COVID doesn't play a small part in that either. Hey, nurses, you're the real heroes of COVID. Show up. Oh, nurses, get a vaccine or you're fired. And we just fired a bunch of the healthcare professionals in this country. It's crazy. All right. Someone loves the show. Someone thinks the national debt is no big deal. We'll talk about that. Can the national divorce be peaceful? All that and so much more still to come on the Jesse Kelly show. It says, Dear Shogun, when are we going to admit the unsustainable national debt is absolutely sustainable? And this is a very fair question. I've had this question before. People, they've been hearing this their whole lives. I know you have. I have. National debt's unsustainable. The national debt's unsustainable. The national debt's going to break us. The national debt's going to break us. Here's why I care so much about the national debt. Because it's unsustainable and it will break us. <laughs> but let me, explain. let me explain something. Let me explain something. If I tell my son, my my sons both have cell phones now. Just they're always at practice and friends' houses and things like that. But they they have cell phones now, so I'm teaching them. Trying we're doing the best we can to teach them not to avoid the phone. How do you have a phone out there? When's it appropriate? Keep the phone in your pocket when you're out and about. When you're walking around. When you're sitting around a room full of people, put the phone away. You have a conversation. Learn how to talk. Learn how to monitor yourself. Learn how to learn how to use the phone. And I tell my sons this. When when they're out in the neighborhood, they're out hanging out. Hey, when you're out there crossing the street, you're always crossing the street back and forth. You don't ever, ever, ever look at your phone. It shouldn't even be out. It's a street. There are 3,000 pound cars driving down the street. You keep your phone in your pocket. And don't you ever, ever, ever look at it until you're safely on the sidewalk, period. When you're on a street, you're in danger. You get off the street before you look at your phone, right? Simple dad thing. But here's here's the reality of it. They've probably looked at their phone when they're crossing the street. Let's, let's just assume they have. I've never caught them. Maybe they haven't. But let's assume they've looked at their phone when they're crossing the street. Let's assume this. Let's assume they do it regularly. They're always looking at their phone when they cross the street. Now, they're not. But, okay, let's assume they are. Every time. In fact, that's when they check their phone the most. Hold on. Got to check my text messages. Let me walk in the middle of the street while I do that. All right. All right. But what's the big deal? They've never been run over. They've never been mowed down. Never been dragged by behind some woman's SUV while she puts on her makeup in the morning. Losing their legs in their process. Maybe dying. They've never had that happen. So what's the big deal? Jesse, it's never happened Why do you even have the rule? What's the big deal? Brother, one thing I have always rejected and will always reject is the way of thinking that says we live in somehow a unique part of human history that is totally different and has a different set of rules than every single other part of human history. That's not how it works. It's not how it works at all. And no nation in the history of the world has taken on this kind of national debt relative to their economy without having gigantic problems, in fact, nation-ending problems at some point in time. I totally sympathize with your way of thinking. Hey, they keep warning it's going to be a problem. It's never been a problem. Clearly, it's not a problem. It ain't a problem until it is. And then when it is it's a big problem. I see this a lot now with when it comes to World War 3 when we talk about World War 3 or Vladimir Putin or any of these other people, Wow, oh, it's no big I mean god, they keep warning about World War 3." Okay. Well, World War 3 isn't a big deal until it kicks off, of course. Then it becomes a really 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 big deal. We talked about we touched on this a little bit earlier in the show when we were talking about uh uh A late stage Republican. How do we come out of it? And and I brought up just briefly how people don't fully appreciate how horrific World War III is going to be. Remember, World War One, several times the death of, or World War Two, several times the death of World War One. World War One, several times the deaths of any war that came before it. Why? Because of the advancements in the range and killing power of weapons technology. When everyone out there has a cannon or a musket, well, I mean, you can kill a bunch of people, but you're limited. When that musket turns into a B-17 flying fortress, dropping 1,000-pound bombs, 500-pound bombs on Berlin, the killing power has changed. When you're firing artillery shells 20 miles away that land and kill 100 men, killing power has changed. Well, Think about this. World War II was 80 years ago. We now have 80 years of advancements in technology and killing power and range. Now, some dork can press a button somewhere in Washington, D.C. and drop a nuclear weapon on Moscow if he so desires. That's the truth. We don't think about World War III because World War III's never happened. It's overblown, except it's going to happen. That's a fact. And whenever it does happen, it will be the most horrific thing anybody's ever seen in the history of the world. I think people forget about that. All right. All right. National divorce. And some interesting questions. I'll put it that way. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, churning and burning through the Ask Dr. Jesse questions. I've gotten through a lot more than four or five today, Chris, in your stupid face. I know. I know. You know why? Because I'm a man of the people, Chris. I want you to think about me like, obviously, the Shogun, the the great military dictator of all things anti-communist, but also a benevolent Shogun. It's what, Chris? It's what I am. You don't understand. You know what we need? Maria Salazar. And, and do you support a no-fly zone in Ukraine?
1: I, I, I support everything that has to do with punishing Vladimir
0: Putin and helping the Ukrainians. Wouldn't that mean direct conventional warfare with Russia? I don't know what it will mean, but you know, freedom is not free. So you don't know what a no-fly zone but will I, mean I, I, if, you, if you have to shoot down Russian planes. I mean, of course. So conventional war with Russia.
1: Listen, thank you.
0: Just want to reiterate again that World War Three will be several times more destructive than World War II was just because of the range and killing power of the weapons. Yet so many of these people, I saw Lindsey Graham was in Ukraine today, so many of these people, look, I don't care which side you're on, it doesn't matter to me, so many people act like it's just not that big of a deal if World War III kicks off. that they, That's how they conduct themselves. Well, I mean, it's they don't, look, that's what we got to do. We're talking about the end of life on earth. Yeah, that Einstein quote is a good one, Chris. What do you say? I don't know. I don't know. what it's, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know which weapons will be used to fight World War III, but I know World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones. That's essentially what he says. You're not wrong. Jesse, I don't really have a question, but I love your show. Found you about two months ago after moving from Tennessee to Ohio. I've not laughed during a radio show in a long time. I just enjoy you and Chris having a conversation like we're not listening. I love all the music you play. Being an '80s girl myself, you can say my name. It's Dina. Sorry, but my pet peeve is people saying my name wrong. That's well, your fault for having a weird name. Elmetico magnifico. Elmetico magnifico. Chris, you don't know what that means because you don't obla. But I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you later. It's complicated. You've spoken countless times on national divorce and my friends as well as myself believe this is the best option for a bad situation. I have one friend, however, that truly believes this will be done without any friction. He's saying violence and bloodshed. How do I get him to understand that a national divorce won't be a pretty thing and it will be far from simple? His name is Will. Well, I don't know. And here's what I mean by this. The national divorce I talk about I'm not naive enough to think it's going to happen. I'm talking about we get together with the communists. We agree on the one thing we can agree on, that we hate each other, and that we should divide up America, divide up the assets, divide up the the liabilities. Let's each pick pick a group of, of states, and let's just go our separate ways. I hate you. You hate me. We can't live together. We fight all the time. Let's go our separate ways. I, I know that that meeting's never going to happen. I will, of course, be in charge of our side, and I'll be the supreme dictator of the Republic of Jesse for a period of four years or so till we get back on our feet, at which time I'll Okay, 10 years, Chris. At which time I'll return power back to the people in the legislature, and I will retire and walk away. It's just going to require a bit of a bit of a heavy hand for a while to to deal with any communist remnants left in our country that's all just a heavy hand just want to make sure want to make sure we're being uh, <coughs> very thorough anyway i i know that's not going to happen but here's what will happen what i see happening is people are already moving they're already voting with their feet you see the people fleeing new york fleeing california they're already moving to be in an area where they they have their values reflected that's one two States will break off. Yeah, Chris just said the greater Idaho movement, 100% right. States will begin breaking off to join with other states. Colorado is going to do this too. Those great people in rural Colorado, they don't want to live with bolder politics. They just don't. So they're going to leave. They're going to break off. And eventually you're going to have a situation where the red states have become super anti-communist. They're already beginning this. They're in the very early stage, but they're beginning this banning ESG, things like this. The red states are going to start joining together. They're going to become uber anti-communist and they're going to become uber independent as they should. They're really going to start working together economically. You'll probably even, this will be a waste on the road, but you'll probably even see a more robust national guard movement in the states as the states themselves grow their own kind of militia type thing And that is where the tension will come years down the road. As the federal government continues to go communist and hostile to the red, the red will continue to shield up and get together and try to protect itself from the federal government. And this is just what I see for the future. The future will be what will determine the level of friction or, God forbid, bloodshed. I hope that day never comes. What will determine that? will be whether or not the federal government blinks and backs down when that tension finally gets to a boiling point. That's what will matter. When it's Washington, D.C., and, and New York, and Connecticut, and, and but let's focus on D.C. When it's Washington, D.C., and the Pentagon, it'll be all the military leaders and the FBI saying, no, Florida, you absolutely, you have to do this. You must do this. And Florida says, no, I don't think I will. And the government says, we'll send in our agents and make you. And Florida says, don't try that. And South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, these states step up and say, no, I wouldn't try that. Don't don't try that. Don't try to make Florida do that. And that's when things are going to get tense. Whether or not the federal government blinks in that game of chicken We'll determine just how ugly it gets going forward. But that is 1,000% where we're going. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. My goodness, is it the final segment? Final segment of the Jesse Kelly Show on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. That went by super fast. You can email the show, jesse at com. jesse at jessekellyshow.com, we're going to do it. We're going to do, I don't know how much time we have left in the segment. I'll figure that out as we go. We're going to do emails I didn't get to. And now. Here's a headline. Go, you know Go, you know the thing. Emails. We didn't get to. Dear great Oracle, egg connoisseur, and world-famous author Jesse. I listen to your show all the time after work on 710 W.I.O.D. Miami. That's a great station, by the way. I always hear you refer to folks on the left as communists, while other conservative radio hosts call them fascists or socialists. Can you explain the difference between each of these uh, terms? Well, one, don't stress about the differences. Socialism and communism is the exact same thing. Communism is just simply where socialism leads, as Lenin wrote. Fascism is when corporations align themselves with the government in order to enforce government policy for them. So you could easily make the argument fascism is where we are right now. Fascism misses the boat for me. The reason I don't call them fascists is the fascists were more of an ideological group, more of a political group. Communists were much more of a religion. The fascists were wrong, of course, and terrible and murderous and bad. But the communists the communists really just wanted to burn down everything. That's, what, that's the difference in what we face here. That's why they destroy everything they touch. That's what they're trying to do. Hey there, you virtuous pink flower. I'm ha- I happen to live in Enoch, Utah, and our small community was rocked by a terrible, terrible mur- murder-suicide of a family in my neighborhood. The local and national media coverage really opened my eyes to how manipulative and completely soulless the media is. Not to get into specifics, but while the media reported some things accurately, a lot of what what was reported was speculative and seemed only for ratings. Narratives were pushed that were completely false, and I know won't be corrected. Is there any way to change the media where truth matters, or is that gone forever? Pass on my love to the military as I respect those that serve, even though I was too fat to fit in a uniform. His name is Ethan. You know, you know one of the real problems with the media. Let's, st- let's set aside the the communism problem. One of the real problems with the media now is a problem that has always been. And this is look, we don't like talking about this part, but it's true. The problem is us. Human nature is failed, and flawed, and sinful. Right? It's all of us. I know I'm the worst of the worst, so I get that. The truth is, you when you're on the road you do look at that bad accident that's right in the lane next door as your car is going through. And when you look, you're looking at the damage. You're looking at, you're assessing whether or not people are going to be okay. You're probably saying things, if you're in a car with other people, you're probably saying things like, oh, I hope they're okay, or pray for them. And I'm not judging you, but you do look. I look. I'm not pointing fingers. I look. People want carnage. Human nature being what it is, they want extra spice to the story. They do. They want carnage. And so the media, because media groups are not charities, I've told you before, I don't, I don't have a charity here on the show. I hope to God I end up doing more good than harm, but I'm not a charity here. This is a business. This is a business. Premier Networks is a big, powerful corporation that wants to make money. I'm here, you listen. In the end, the show has to be profitable or I ain't going to be here anymore. That's the bottom line. I have to go, go back selling RVs or something like that. Human nature is what it is. People want more spice. Therefore, the media gives them more spice. I wish it wasn't that way. I wish we weren't that way. But we are what we are, myself included, right? We are a big part of the problem with the media, period. Hey, look. It, it, here's an example. If tonight you get home, long week, you're all home for the night. Friday night, you walk in and you see a preview on the news coming up on Channel News Nine at nine or whatever they say. Channel News Nine at nine, we have a happy story about a toddler who learned to walk. Or, or you walk in and you hear this coming up on Channel Nine News at nine. Family massacred across the street from your home with a knife and an axe. Story in five minutes. Which one are you sitting down to watch for sure? You know the answer. You know the answer. It is what it is. It's human nature, man. Hi, Jesse. I love the show. Call me stupid, but what is a think tank? Everyone's talking about Biden's think tank. What exactly is it? A think tank is a slush fund. That's what a think tank is. They call them think tanks because you don't want to think about it like a slush fund. When you're Joe Biden, you have promised a bunch of favors to a whole bunch of people and you yourself want to experience a bunch of favors, but you're always lim- limited as a candidate or somebody in office to how many favors you can receive and how many favors you can hand out. So what you do is you find and fund yourself a, quote, nonprofit because nonprofits can receive gigantic amounts of donations completely anonymous for yourself so you secure yourself a think tank where let's say you lose your net senate election well you've got to go work at your think tank right Um, And maybe a half million dollar a year salary wouldn't be the end of the world and your dirtball brother he is a lawyer Maybe he needs a nice half-million-dollar contract to make sure your think tank is on the up-and-up, of course. And, and, you know, this senator that helped you out with a generous campaign donation when, when your campaign needed money. Oh, would you look at that? His daughter just graduated Harvard, and she wants to get into politics. Whoa! An assistant management position just opened up at your think tank for a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Think tanks are slush funds. We have them on the right as well. Very rarely is a think tank actually worth anything, and very rarely do they do any good. You take an organization like uh, Heritage, though, on the right. Presidents like Reagan, they relied on Heritage to come up with legislation and ideas. There are a few really, really, really good ones, really powerful ones, but for the most part, they're simply slush funds where these politicians wash money and hand it out to themselves, friends, and family. That's it. A lot more complicated than that. Again, late-stage republic. Everything's just about looting you, right? Well, on that happy note, have a good weekend. That's all. (laughs)